You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Even as I record this message right now, I've actually just come home from... Australia. And being in Australia was really amazing. I got to spend some time with my mother, my family, and also some lifelong friends. My next door neighbour from being two to the age of 15, uh, friends and family that we've had for many, many years, just being with them. And being in Australia was almost like a sensory overload at times, as I was able to step back into history and I gotta be honest, even at times, it was quite moving to be in Australia. And I think, you know, for you and for me, for all of us, we all know what it's like to be in a place where we have a sensory overload, where our senses tingle by merely being in a place. Of course, we know, don't we, that scientists tell us we have many more than just five senses. But if I just spend a moment thinking about the five senses and I reflect on my recent visit to Australia, just the sight of Australian trees and the beach and my family home, the pool, seeing the family dog, all of those sorts of things gave me a sensory overload. But more than that, the taste of Australia was there. You'll see coming up on screen now, a plate of snacks. And I was on this leadership tour speaking and I went to this particular remote part of Northern Queensland and they put on this plate that you can see some snacks and these snacks mean nothing to you, but it was really the taste of my childhood as I bit into each of these snacks on the plate. So there was sight and there was taste, but there's also smell. Just the smell of Australia, the the smell of nature, the smell of the heat getting off the plane and the smell of the trees around. It was really a sensory overload as I saw things, tasted things, the the smell, but there was also sound, the sound of Australia, the sound of the birds waking me up in the morning at my mum's house, the the parakeets, the lorikeets, the galahs, the minor birds, the kookaburras outside waking me up at the the crack of dawn. That, That sound reminded me of, of my childhood, everything that I grew up with. And of course, the fifth sense is touch. The, 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 the sand on my feet at the beach near my family house, uh, the, 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 the touch of just being able to touch my sister, hug my sister, see my mum, hug my mum. Five senses. And I think, you know, when it comes to our church, the reality is this, is I believe that God is calling us to be a sensory church that as He's called us to have a positive influence in society, I believe that God uses these five senses, that if we can understand the importance of these five senses in our lives as a church and the way we live as individuals, then maybe we too can create a sensory impact, have a sensory impact in our city, our nation, and even the nations of the world. So in these moments that I have, thinking about sensory church, I wanna focus on the five senses 
and how we can get these to work in us and for us in having a positive impact in Jesus' Name. And the first kind of sense I wanna spend a moment of is this, is understanding that we're called to be a church with sight. A church with sight. Now, it would be easy at this point for me to speak about a vision for the church or having vision as local individuals. But what I wanna do for a moment is actually reflect on sight in the context of light. The idea that in order to have sight, we need to have light. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus speaking to the church says this, He says, you are the light of the world. Not you will be, not you could be, but you are the light of the world. You are the light. What's really fascinating about this is that this takes place in Matthew chapter five. It's the first of the, the, the New Testament Gospels. Now, the last book of the Old Testament is a book called Malachi. And then between Malachi and the writing of the Gospel of Matthew, we have 400 years of silence. In that 400 years, we don't really know what God is up to or what God is doing. And there's almost a sense where God has left His people and in many senses, they're oppressed and, and in some senses broken. 400 years of nothing. And then Jesus comes to earth in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and after 400 years, He says this, you church are the light. It's not just that Jesus is the light, but He's saying that we too are the light. Now, the thing I want you to get about this church is this, is that you can't make yourself the light of the world. The reason we are the light of the world is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what is so important here is this, is that we don't generate the light, we reflect the light. We reflect the light of God to a broken and hurting generation. And so when we think about being light, we understand that in actual fact, God is calling the church to continually be a place of influence, positive influence in society, that we are positive influences in society because we are reflecting the light of God to this generation. Of course, you know, don't you, that in the galaxies, the moon has no light and yet we see it at night and it shines bright because it is reflecting the light of the sun. And that too is what we are called to be, in a, to be a sensory church, that when it comes to sight, we are meant to display the light of God in Jesus' Name. Now, in some senses, light has an opposite. And the opposite of light is dark. If we were to turn the lights off in the auditorium right now where you're sitting, in your home where maybe you're watching this on your device from, if we were to turn off all the lights, everything would be dark. But all I have to do is shine the light of my torch and now everything has changed. You see, I want you to see friends, I want you to see church, that in being a sensory church, in order to bring sight to people, God is calling us to be the light, to be the light of the world, to reflect God's love, to reflect what it means to be a Christian in a sense that it's light 
it's bright, it's good, it's incredible in Jesus' Name. And here's the thing, if you reflect the light of God and I reflect the light of God and every one of our campuses and locations reflect the light of God, if every individual in our church begins to reflect the light of God, then we go from being a place of influence, now we have confluence. Confluence in a, in, in, in a river is when many tributaries come together and they meet at a point and now we have a rushing river. Imagine this, friends. You reflect the light of God in your workplace. I do in my workplace. And before long, as the church rises up and reflects the light of God, we enable people to see the ways of God and those ways are good, godly and attractive in Jesus' Name. So the first thing about being a sensory church is that we are called by God's grace to give people sight by reflecting the light. The second sense is this, is the sense of being a church with taste. A church with taste. Now listen, I've just been in Australia, as I mentioned a moment ago. I left Australia in 1996. And when I went back to Australia just recently, it was almost like I'd returned to Australia in 1984. I left in 1996, I returned in 1984. Why am I saying that? It's because the whole rage right now in Queensland, my home state, is that guys are wearing their hair in mullets again. Mullets are back in fashion, inverted commas. Now, if you don't know what a mullet is, it's shaved on the sides and long at the back. When I was in Australia, my first two days there, I said to my friend, I said, Pastor Paul, I, I need to get a haircut. He took me to the barbers and I got to admit, the guy in front of me had this most impressive mullet. Ugly, but impressive. In fact, in the two Sundays that I was preaching in Australia, I said, hey, hey guys, you may think your mullets look good, but I'm not too sure your wives and your girlfriends would agree. It's crazy. Where's the taste? What's happened to fashion? that mullets would come back into vogue again, 2022, like it was 1984. But of course, when I'm talking about a church with taste, I'm not talking about fashion. I'm talking about the taste that we leave in people's mouths. The Bible says this in 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, Elisha said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. You see, what we just read there was this, is the Bible says that the city was well situated. In other words, it was, it was full of potential. It had, it had people, it had wealth, it had the ability to increase in wealth and to sustain more people. But the Bible says, they said these words, the water is killing us. It was almost like as they drank of the water, the water poisoned them. Elisha's solution was this, get a new bowl and put some salt in it. And he went to the spring. He actually went to the place 
where life, where the city would get life. And here's what he does. He puts salt in the bowl. He asks for salt. Now, what does salt do? Salt, we know, heals. Salt flavours. And the Bible teaches us that we are salt in this world. Jesus says that. In other words, we the church are meant to bring healing. We're meant to flavour things in society in a good way. Elisha goes to the spring and he throws salt in there and the Bible says the waters are healed. And I want you to know, he had to go to the place of influence in order to become an influencer. Now, the thing about salt is this, is salt doesn't exist for itself. We don't just put salt on salt. We put salt on other things in order to bring healing, in order to bring flavour. And that is the church. We don't just exist for ourselves. We exist for society. We gather on a Sunday to scatter on a Monday. Why? Because the Bible says that we too are salt that where we go should leave a a good flavour in people's mouths that they are able to say and testify, I I met with a Christian. I I met with somebody from the audacious church up the road. And there's something about them that is flavoursome. There's something about them that is uh, appealing. I don't know what they've got, but I want that too. Maybe I can just ask you this question right now is, What flavour do you leave? When you've been in somebody's company, when you've been out for a meal with people, when they've had coffee table conversation with you, friend, are they walking away saying, wow, I don't wanna spend any more time with them? Or are people kind of attracted to the life that you live for God? Because the Bible says that we are called to be salt. That in this sensory church, They were called to help people to see by shining the light of God's love. But also we're called to to bring a taste, to, to change the taste that maybe people have. Sadly, I think in society, there would be some people who say, well, I don't wanna be a Christian because I've met some Christians. In fact, once upon a time, my dad's twin brother, my uncle said that. He said, well, I don't wanna be a Christian. I don't wanna go to church. I've got enough problems of my own. And what a sad indictment of the church that for a season, it's possible for us to leave a bad flavour in somebody's mouth. But our prayer is that in being a sensory church, we will bring, be like salt, bringing healing and flavour to society. That people would look at us and say, I want what you've got. You know, what's really interesting about salt is this, is that when we think about the real influences in society today, I guess you could maybe say that they're the people who pay a person's wages. It's those who pay the wages. They're really, really the influencers. You know, when I read my Bible, it says this in Ezra chapter 4, verse 14. It just, I'm just gonna read you a phrase. It says, now since we are under the obligation, we are under obligation to the palace. So it's talking about people who are working for the palace and living in proximity to the palace in the book of Ezra. It says we are under obligation to them. The New King James Version says this, since we receive support from the palace. And the New Revised Standard Version puts it this way, since we share the salt of the palace. We share the salt 
meaning under obligation, meaning we receive support. This whole idea is this, is that when we think about being paid a salary, the the word salary comes from the old Bible word, Hebrew word, salt. People were paid in salt. Salary was given to them. And there's almost that sense that when the Bible says that you are the salt of the world, when Jesus says that, the reality is this, the Bible is telling us that God is calling us to be the influencers in society today, to be salt, to, to, to be a place of influence, to, to be a people who bring flavour and healing to our world in Jesus' Name. You know, there's an obscure verse in the Old Testament as well that talks about newborn babies being rubbed in salt. That, that, that sense that even from new birth in Christ Jesus, God is calling us to be flavoured with salt, that we become salt, we become influencers, bring flavour and change the taste in society in Jesus' Name. And so we're called to be a church with sight. We're called to be a church with taste. And thirdly, in this sensory church idea, we're called to be a church with smell. Now stay with me for a moment. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 15, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The verse before, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. He uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. A church with smell. And I think friends, this is the challenge because God uses us to spread the aroma, the smell of Christ. Here's my question for you. How do you smell? How do you smell? Are you spreading the aroma of Christ in such a way that people want to know Him because of the way you live your lives? You know, sadly, some Christians live their lives in a way that causes society to wrinkle up its nose and say, I don't wanna be a part of that. And I I believe with you that we can't compromise the truth of God's Word, but there should be something about our lives, friends, that is attractional because Jesus was attractional. The Bible says the common man and woman heard Jesus gladly. So here's the question. How do we balance, how do we create a balance between living God's truth and attracting society? How do we do that? How do we live with truth and yet attract the world to God? Well, I think the answer is found in two things. It's found in grace and truth. Truth and grace. The Bible says in John chapter 14, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And you know, some Christians can know the truth and yet be very militant with it, almost, almost cutthroat. Let me give you an example. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. And this is true. And we've seen courageous people walking with placards saying the wages of sin is death. We've seen them in the shopping centres, outside the malls. We've seen them at sporting occasions, courageous people carrying these placards, 
making a statement of truth. And I'm not criticising the truth at all. But what we also need is grace. The Bible teaches us that Jesus came with grace and truth. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 17, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So notice this, grace came first and truth second. Grace and then truth came through Jesus Christ. Look at these verses in the Bible. Titus 2, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, of God. Titus 3, 4 to 6, but when the kindness of God, our Saviour and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if the transgression of the one, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many? Here's what I want you to see. Jesus was truth, but He was gracious. He was, He loved the unlovely. He welcomed those who were dismissed by society. He forgave the unforgivable. He attracted the world. And the Bible says in Luke 15, 1, it says, all the sinners heard Jesus gladly. Grace won people to Jesus. Let me say it again. Grace won people to Jesus. So here's the thing about grace. Grace means you love and respect people for who they are long before you challenge them on their lifestyle. And maybe, just maybe, we should do a lot more loving before we do a lot more telling. Because the Bible says the greatest of everything is love. So Audacious Church today, my question is this, how do you smell? Are you attracting people to Jesus? How do you know if you are? Well, that's simple. You simply got to look at the fruit of people's lives around you and see their response to God. Is it attracting people to Him or not? How do you smell? So it's a sensory church, a, a church with sight, light, a church with taste, salt, it's, it's a church that, that has a church that has smell, for we are the aroma of Christ, the Bible says. And then we go on and we're talking about our fourth sense, and this is a church with sound. Sound, the ability to hear. Have you noticed that maybe in your world, like in mine, there are people I know that their lives have one sound. It's a sound of negativity or bitterness or or criticism, and it's a circular sound that winds down and out of control. And you know, if you are an optimist, if you are a faith-filled person, then being with people who are negative or critical uh, can be really hard to bear. We, the church, are, are called to have a sound. And the sound that we're called to have is found in Psalm 34, verse one. It says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. A church that knows how to praise. Come on, somebody. A church that knows how to praise. 
the sound of praise. I will continually praise the Lord, the Bible says. Let me pick up on just three of the ideas of praise that we read about in the Old Testament. And the first area of praise is called halal, which is actually crazy praise. It's not just a song that we did for our kids all those years ago, crazy praise. It is a form of praise in the Old Testament called halal, meaning crazy praise. Let me read to you from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. The word is halal, crazy praise. Crazy praise the Lord. It says again, praise God in His sanctuary, in church. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise Him in His unequalled greatness. The word each time is the word halal, which is crazy praise. Halal, it means this. It means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate and to be clamorously foolish. That kind of praise, the Bible says, should continually be in our mouths. And not just corporately, friends, but in our quiet times when we're alone with the Lord to praise Him with halal. Another word is the word yada, and this means total surrender. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 15, let them praise yada, the Lord, for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. Yada, it means this in Hebrew. It's actually the word for hand or arm. It's the word yad, yada, total surrender. So even now, if you go into Israel and you see a little child speaking Hebrew, they will reach out their hands to their parents, to their loved ones and say, yad, yada. Really what they're saying is they wanna be picked up. They wanna be cuddled. It's total surrender to God. And so in our praise, our praise should be one of total surrender to God. His praise will ever be on my lips. His praise will always be in my mouth. And praise reminds us that we need to be totally surrendered to the Lord. There's a third beautiful word in the Old Testament, which is todah, todah. And it means this, thankfulness. Psalm 42 verse four, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. Todah, todah, amid the sound of great celebration. And this Hebrew word, it means thankfulness, an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel or acceptance, even for things not yet received, a procession of the congregation. And so the Bible says, I will enter His courts with thanksgiving in my heart. And church, in order to be sensory, in order to have a sound, the reality is this, is that we need to praise. I, again, I encourage you, friends, let's not miss the praise and worship week in, week out. Let's make a real effort to be in church before the service so we can meet with the body of Christ. But when the worship team starts, that we can bring our praise. Because if we miss the praise, we miss the point. We're called to be a sensory church, to bring a sound of praise in society today. And we end up with our fifth sense. And of course, it's a church with touch, touch, feel. Of course, we when we think about the church and when we think about the house of God, 
we are reminded in the Gospel that Jesus Christ came what we call incarnate, the incarnation. And the incarnation is all about God leaving heaven to come to earth. He came incarnate. He came in human flesh. He became one of us to walk with us. Jesus touched us. Time and again in the New Testament, when we read about Jesus, God coming to earth, God incarnate, we read about miracle after miracle after miracle where what He did is He touched people. He touched them on the hand. He touched them on the eye. He touched them on the shoulder. And there was something about His touch that brought healing to a broken people. And you know, church, it's exactly the same with us. As we think about what God is calling us to be as a church, a sensory church, it's a church with touch, bringing the hands and being the hands and feet of Jesus to this broken world. Being everything Jesus has called us to be, to be a church incarnate, involved in the real issues of people's lives. You know, as I record this right now, our great friends, pastors, Zibi and Magda in Krakow in Poland. You remember that over 10 years ago now, we were involved in planting the church there in Poland. And to date right now, they have in excess of 1,000 people from the Ukraine, mostly mothers with their children, who are being housed. They're being given food and clothing. They're being encouraged. They're being blessed. Schools have been started by our church in Krakow, by Zibi and Magda. And just recently, Zibi received a very high honour from the, from the people of Krakow, from the city of Krakow and from the armed forces, celebrating the efforts that the church has made to the brokenhearted, the people who are fleeing from the conflict in the Ukraine. This is what it means, church, to be incarnate to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be out there, to, for, for, for people's lives to be changed and blessed because the church exists. You know, when we think about the impact that church has in our nation, there is something called social value, social value. And really when it comes to any social entity, there is something called social value. In other words, what is the monetary effect that that social entity has on society at large? On our local council here, Salford Manchester Council, on the website, it talks about social value. Here's what it says. Social value asks the question, if one pound is spent on the delivery of services, can that same one pound be used to also produce a wider benefit to the community? This involves looking beyond the price of each individual contract and instead looking at the collective benefit to a community. That is the Manchester Salford social value mechanism and formula and format. Now, Here's what I want you to know. We're getting a little bit technical, but I want you to know that the church actually has a quantifiable value to society. It's what is known as the halo effect, the halo effect. Get this, 
The National Churches Trust in the UK back in 2010 did a massive amount of research and it revealed the social value impact of British churches as a financial ratio of up to one to 18. They say this, that for every 10 pounds given into a local church, the local church has the ability to return that value at a value of 181 pounds. It is a value of one to 18. Such is the impact that church has incarnation through touch in society, through the different causes, charities, works with broken people in society, one to 18. I want you to know that through the research I've done, that is a massive return on investment. That there are very little things in society, if any all, all that have the same social value return as the local church or what the, the National Churches Trust calls the housing the, house, the, the halo effect, one to 18. I want you to know something. I wanna boast for a moment on our audacious foundation, on Laura Howard and all the team who are involved in running our foundation. They are brilliant at what they do. I want you to know that just prior to the pandemic, the, the local agencies did a social value assessment on the impact that one of our specific ministries, the A-teams has within the Audacious Foundation. That's working with the homeless and the broken on our streets. This is generated by the CLES in 2019, which is the National Organisation for Local Economies. And here's what they're saying about the Audacious Foundation. This is the effect that our local church is having. They are saying that our rate of return is, get this, one to 20. So for every one pound given into the local church, the church is able to return that at a rate of 20 pounds, multiple impact. There are very little things that have that sort of positive effect with the halo effect in society like the local church. To Laura, to Julian, to all of our team in Audacious Foundation, thank you so much for helping us as a local church become the hands and feet of Jesus in this generation, in this time. This is what you call, friend, a church with touch. And I wanna know, how are you doing, my friends? How are you doing as the sensory church right now? How are you doing? How are you doing when it comes to sight? Are you illuminating the cause of Christ? Are you bringing a reflection of Jesus to this generation so that they would look at you and say, I don't know what you've got, but I want some of that. What's happening with taste? Are you salt? Not just light, but are you salt? Are you bringing flavour, positive flavour? Are you bringing a healing effect through your life as an individual? What about smell? Are you bringing good smell to this planet, to this city, to our nation? Do you bring the aroma of Christ? I do remember when I was falling in love with Sophie. She used to wear a specific perfume. And in our residential Bible college, the reality is this, I could usually smell her before I saw her because my nose was so in tune to the smell of this perfume she was wearing. Friends, I wanna know, are you bringing the aroma of Christ to your generation? And what about sound? How are you going with praise? 
Is His praise on your lips? Are you one who speaks faith and hope and optimism and love to this generation? His praise will ever be on my lips, the Bible says. And what about touch? Are you the hands and feet of Jesus? Because I believe that if we can become this sensory church, imagine the impact that we can have here in Manchester, North and South, across into Chester and into North Wales, down into Cardiff, down in South Wales, across into Yorkshire with our Sheffield location, over into Geneva in Switzerland, there and beyond. Friends, if we can commit to being this type of sensory church, then maybe, just maybe, we will see many more people saying, I want what you've got. My prayer is that we become more attractional, attracting people to Jesus, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious Podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 